Welcome back, guys. Thank you for those who tuned into part one. Some really, really good discussions around the Ansel Ferdinand documentary and the Edison Cavani incident. We're going to kick off part two with a couple of major talking points surrounding the big Champions League incident surrounding the word Negra used by the official and the Millwall booing of the knee. So, yeah, let's not waste much time and let's get into part two guys you are now locked into the beyond the hashtag podcast every other tuesday at midday subscribe and follow us on all our platforms to continue breaking the generational chains of racism one goal at a time similarly guys in terms of language and in terms of the whole we mentioned negrito there's there was another major incident that sparked um and, and it went europe-wide not just in this country relating to yeah just just the use of casual kind of descriptions for black people um and the whole european language um kind of thing so um it, it surrounded the champions league and a game between paris saint-germain and uh, istanbul so long story short the there was there was an official who was describing a black coach um, and instead of sort of referencing him by his name and because all officials are mic'd up on the radio, he referenced the black coach um, by his skin colour. So the full dialogue read, um, he says, the black one over there, go and check who he is. The black one over there, it's not possible to act like that. Um, he said that in his native tone, so he was Romanian. So he used the actual phrase negro or negra, one of them. Um, and he used that to describe, to describe the person. And as you hear, he said the black one, the black one a couple of times. So it was clear who he, he was referencing. Um, this caused a major stir in terms of the incident itself, because certain black players who were on the substitutes bench and black players of both teams, you know, heard it and the coach complained about it. And the players actually ended up walking, all walking off the pitch that evening. They didn't, they didn't carry on the game. Um, for that evening you know the game had to be postponed and, and they finished it the next day but that sent shockwaves around um, European football because whenever there's especially a Champions League night it's a massive game um, for, for all clubs involved but you know you're always looking out for who scored the best goal who's done this like so many eyes are on Champions League football um, on a Tuesday and a Wednesday night so for a game to be postponed for any reason is, is a talking point it's a talking point but to be postponed and suspended for an issue such as this one was was i think a, a massive massive checkpoint in kind of football um in the way it sees kind of racism so uh, one of the lead players sort of fighting the cause was um demba bar who's a senegalese footballer um he really showed the passion that um who we've even shown in this podcast about the struggle that you know black people and ethnic minorities face in this fight against racism because you know he was kind of in the official's face saying you know why do you use the description of the black guy you know if it was a white guy you you wouldn't say the white guy over there you just call him by his name or whatever um and and Denver was really really like you know you could see that just the passion and the hurt in his response um and that's what kind of sparked the reaction of not just his team but the Paris players as well to um to end up walking off the pitch in the first place and I feel like it was a it was a very good um it was a very good chance to prove and show that like, send shockwaves mm. like it was a per like you said it was the perfect opportunity to prove and show shockwaves because 
if if PSG didn't walk off with them, thank you. Then they would have been like, oh, it's fine then. Like, it's not that deep. Thank you. But to show that both teams, yeah, th- doing that, you know how much. First of all, you know how much money that probably yeah. cost everyone. Yeah, yeah. Like, what we got? How many, I don't know how many minutes into the game. It's only like thirteen or fifteen. Yeah. Okay, so they just got into the game, yeah. and then, bruv, it was like, what you man. This is now tomorrow. They have to open the stadium again. again get the staff in yeah, again. F- yeah. You're paying them that TV coverage. Yeah, them and that flights have been delayed because they're going back. Yeah, they are, bruv. There's money, money. Yeah, just from the players saying, yeah, hundred percent. And after respect, that. people like um, Mbappe, as young as he is, like twenty, twenty-one years old, he was leading the fight for his team to right. get his team to walk off the pitch. And as you say, if Paris had just taken the oh, it's not my club, I'm not involved, and they would have got the three points from the game, and it would have been a whole like, mm-hmm. UEFA would have been covered in that sense because they would have been like, oh, it was your choice to walk off the pitch. Yeah, like, yeah, really. yeah, and UEFA actually annoyed me in their initial response because they tried to restart the game pretty much straight away so, so I think the game was kicked off at 8 so only about 13 minutes into the game players walked off then they basically were like having conversations with different officials or whatever and they tried to say 10 o'clock we're restarting the game and we're going to swap the official who was racist um, we're going to put him in the VAR room which is kind of like an extra assistant yeah. for those who don't know and we're going to swap him with someone else and basically they just kind of tried to cover up the issue we're going to restart the match you lot play the match and the we'll man tried to just get your dustpan and brush bro. They tried sweep it yeah <laughs> under the carpet <laughs> Literally, and I think I think that response alone shows, like, if that was their immediate response, it shows their, you know, the way they think about racism and the way they, how much effort they want to put into kind of resolving it. Because mm. it's similar to when the England players were abused in Bulgaria mm-hmm. and it, they had this whole protocol of... Uh, the, the the three strike rule and I think yeah, in, yeah, English, yeah, yeah. Uh, in English tell football we try to do it as well captain, yeah yeah. yeah so the first step was like oh um, if you hear racist abuse like your captain tells the referee and yeah that's it the, the captain tells the referee second one is the referee tells like another official and they announce it to say stop doing yeah, yeah stop doing racist abuse and then the third one is when the, yeah you're, you're allowed to walk off the pitch and thinking why are you giving racist free chance yeah, free chances free it's strikes a one, it's a one chance zero thing. tolerance one chance and it's you're like gone death. If someone shot you, you don't give them free chances. Yeah. They say, shoot, shoot me again. <laughs> shoot me again then, bro. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I think, the, yeah, so the fact that that was their immediate response, I think says a lot um, about their stance towards racism. And, and now, in terms of the facts, they're having an investigation and the guy who... Um, said the racial term faces a potential 10 match ban and all that kind of stuff is, is being investigated but yeah I just I, I didn't like that initial response from UEFA and it's indicative of, of what they think about about racism and, and dealing with it you know they're, they're very happy to, to do performative acts with banners and TV campaigns and ads and they're like the kings of that UEFA they, they love it the non racisme and getting all the players to getting all the players to come on TV and do that but yeah their actions speak louder than words and, and that was their initial action and I think that says a lot about them as an organisation but another thing guys that I really wanted to get into with with this kind of topic with the whole or oh, how do you describe a black person or an ethnic minority and and the way certain people speak about um these issues when they come up is is some of the responses that i saw to this kind of story so we had michael richards who's a black english footballer or ex-footballer sorry he's a pundit he often goes on diff- different sports channels his immediate response to racism which uh, this story sorry was we can't assume uh, because he said that he is a racist was he being ignorant probably was he being racist i'm not sure that was his kind of response and, and that that took me back quite a bit because for you, for you as a black man to come on 
a high highlighted media channel, a sensationalized media channel, and basically act as a apologist to someone who is in the firing line for committing a racial act. Like you, you're kind of not really defending him, but you're sympathizing for, for what he's done rather than, as I mentioned before, touching on the victim who was the coach Pierre Weibo. Like, mm-hmm. how is he feeling about his, about this? Look at the anger in Denver Bay. You, you, you're not speaking about any of that, but you're immediately going to trying to reason and trying to sympathize with how the person might have meant the particular comment. And for you as a black man to be doing that on worldwide television, whether you're right or wrong, and I, and one thing I'll caveat is that I think the rational side of the of, of what Richard said wasn't necessarily wrong in terms of like, I don't think the guy was being abusively racist. Um, it was more of an ignorant comment, but it's still racist at the end of the day. So, but the fact that you as a black man are saying that on national, national TV, TV gives people, opens uh, the door to yeah, be- Yeah, like, I agree with the black man. There you go. <laughs> You've said it. So everyone else who thinks like that is like, no, but Michael Richards said my that he's been- no, My black my, friend. Do you know what I mean? So j- j- I think- there's a time and a he place. Fumbled, he fumbled in yeah, that situation. There's a time and a place for, for, for. I wouldn't have been mad. I wouldn't have been mad if he said that with his friends. You get exactly. it? Exactly. But on national TV, yeah. that's when you have to be that. You have, to, you have to be so clever with, with how you say say these things. Because now me, that's a quote on your name, bro. Mm. Whether you can apologize after and be like, oh, it's taken out of wrong. You said it. People take your comment. You're on TV. People clip something 10 seconds. Easy, you said this and, and you're done. Bad punditry, that was. And, and, and that kind of leads to. Um, you know the, the the kind of tone deaf nature of what he said was, you know, led to me thinking. You know, racism and ignorance—they're not actually mutually exclusive. They're not two different things. They go together. And just because, for example, just because someone's a reckless driver and they dent your car, like it doesn't make the car any less dented. Like it doesn't reduce the effect of the fact that they dented your car. So just because someone didn't mean to be racist doesn't mean that. you wasn't racist and it doesn't affect the person who they were racist to so it's about the effect and you know um people have mentioned you know if something offends someone it's a problem like and and that that comment can offend offending is the issue exactly exactly and and it's an offense yes (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the dictionary definition we're done it's offense it's offense that's that's the the dictionary definition and and people i've seen in comments and stuff people bringing the argument oh but in 2020 everything's bloody offending everyone these days and and all these kind of things but okay yes it's a problem and it's more of a problem when huge masses of people are being offended by something so if there was one person in this world like of how many billion people have offended by one thing it's still a bit of a problem but it's not as widespread as how many millions and millions of black people being offended by, by something i think you, you have to pay a bit of uh attention and apply context to how certain things are offending people like this is not just one person being offended by it, it wasn't just a coach who got called um the black one being offended and no one else gave like gave gave a like whatever about it it was the whole team it was everyone online people you you can't just sweep that kind of issue under the carpet when so many people are being offended by it um so i think just to paint it off as oh no he was ignorant everything that's happened this year like there's no excuse to be ignorant and for him as a referee there's another factual thing i want to bring to the table referees this is big 2020 as well referees get given before a game uefa this is like supposed to be the best competition you're given a list of everyone you get live players coaches you're given as a referee you need to know who's around especially in this covid time especially everyone needs to know who everyone is all all these kind of things so 
you get given a list of everyone, everyone's name. All you have face to do, and name, face you know. and name, exactly on the thing. All you have to do is be like, position, you know, but <laughs> right mid, whatever, like right coach, mid, assistant coach, coach, left back in the changing room, all hitman, <laughs> yeah, coach, yeah, driver, yeah, all of that, literally. So social media cameraman. All you had to say to your um, colleague referee was, PA Weibo, assistant coach, he needs to be sent off. That's all you had to say. That's it. You just had to say assistant coach. That's needs it. To be sent off. That's Obviously that's got multiple. But that's love. that's literally it. And and then you go on to people like John Barnes on Twitter. He was don't talk about him. He was Come like on. this. This I'm is tired. this. This, <laughs> this is John Barnes to an extent. And this is why we have to be careful with who we use as the flag bearers of 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 dealing with anti racism because he was he spent like about two days on Twitter and, and someone was like bro did he sit next to a charger and just charge his phone the whole day because bro the amount of energy he was putting into his Twitter and he was just defending 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 being like how can he describe him how how else can he describe him you know he's the only black coach in the team so obviously like that's how oh, and, and just going back and forth and you're thinking John not only are you sympathising you're like giving people fuel to oppress these, this kind of issue and, and continue continue diminishing the fact that we're, we're trying to fight you're pushing us back every comment you make is pushing us back i'm tired <laughs> oh honestly jo, 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 i'm not even gonna get into john bars too too tough because yeah it doesn't deserve that amount of airtime but it, it's touching on richards and then john barnes was kind of a richard's an, disappointed uh, yeah an, adv- an advocate of that but i guess even if, even in my view that if you touch on richard's disappointment is that we have to be careful with how we look to um, athletes and musicians and certain celebrities about how they kind of be the moral compass of our society. So when you when you look at oh this person this musician was involved in this scandal, so oh my god I can't believe it. He seemed like such a nice guy, or he said this about that. It's kind of like a lot of these people, especially sometimes in the sport industry, they're removed from the realness of society a lot of the times from a young age. So let's say at 16 or 14 or whatever, you join an academy, you're like kind of in that football world for a long time. Like you might not, you might have experienced some elements of racism, but let's say the institutional racism where, you know, you have the economic struggle of, of not being able to get certain jobs because of your race being overqualified, but you, you still don't get jobs that people are underqualified for all these kind of things that, that there's a lot of elements to racism that people who end up being famous don't go through um and, and don't necessarily see the side of and and even the ones who do go through it like john barnes he's had bananas thrown at him they've proven that even they don't sometimes understand the nature of it so we have to be very careful of who we look up to in speaking out and dealing with these racist incidents um but but that's me as a black person and me knowing it telling you guys but the people who run these tv companies whether they know or they don't know and i'm inclined to say they do know who they're kind of dealing with they'll invite john barnes to come and speak because he's backing a lot of their agendas so when you see someone like john barnes that's why we're saying we're tired of john barnes because we're not going to get outraged (laughs) we're not going to get outraged by someone like john barnes because you know he doesn't speak for us if that makes sense we know that john barnes doesn't understand that kind of issue because he's he's proved it by his actions so we're not gonna like we're not gonna be disappointed by john barnes because we know what he's about do you know what I mean? So it's, it's the same way. The the media are using him because they yeah, know yeah. it's tactical. Yeah, it's very, very tactical. They know exactly what they're doing. They know the people who they're inviting. And it's, it's until they get brave enough to invite people who call it out. And that's why certain media outlets have said, oh, you know, we don't get certain opportunities because we actually call, call a spade a spade. Um, until they start doing that, that's when boundaries will actually be broken. And then that will go in line with, you know, white people again speaking out on it. You know, someone 
like a white player showing this kind of passion, passion that Demba showed on the issue in, in that kind of incident, you know, until those kind of things are happening and the room is shaken, for, for, for want of a better phrase, that's when you'll start seeing changes in how people speak about racism and, and the actual calling a spade a spade. But too many people like to just skirt around it and then you'll get, you'll get it culminates in people like Richards sympathising for the issue when, no, you need to call it out for what it is and then go on to explaining how someone can be educated and then someone can be um, used in, the, in, in, in a better light to kind of change the issue. But, you know, until you start doing that, nothing, nothing's ever going to change. And to be honest... Um, that's 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 kind of the long and short of it and furthermore if you're someone that isn't as knowledgeable on the issue as you think you should be don't say anything if you ain't got something amazing or positive to say don't say anything at all do you know what i mean like if you're not like if you don't know the history the facts that all of this of an incident don't say anything keep it simple keep it brief if you're michael richards you're on tv someone says oh my gosh racism blah 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 what do you think of it all a kind of response he could have been like was guys for 22 players and all the coach and staff to walk off the pitch this must be a serious incident like i'm sure i'm hoping the authorities take it seriously and you know i hope the guy who was the victim of the situation is okay and yeah i hope he'll be dealt with in the right manner and let's continue to fight against it and kick it out like that's all you had to say and no, and I don't even have to mention your name on our podcast because you haven't said anything untowards. That's if, and that's me relating to. We don't need to use sports stars as our moral compasses, and and people who don't know about certain issues as our moral compasses because they're in their zone and they're in their world of living, so they can just keep things generic and they can be used to tell their certain experiences in 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 cases. But when you're talking about someone like Michael Richards versus someone like Akala on TV speaking about the issue. Like, there, there's two different realms and, the, and and there's two different ways of, of conveying stuff. So it's not me saying that, you know, those famous people are less intelligent, far from it, because we've, we're diminishing the myth that footballers aren't intelligent, that kind of thing. But there's a level of knowledge that you need to have on these kind of issues for you to be speaking on that wide platform about them and to the depths that you are. So especially if we're going to go to the extent of sympathizing with people, then, then that's when you've got to kind of check yourself as, as especially someone as a black man on that kind of sensationalized media platform. So yeah, if you don't know, just keep it stum and let the people who do know vibrate it. Use the hashtag BTH pod on all socials to continue the discussion. So guys, I hope you've had a little break. That was that was an intense kind of chat about some of the issues. But this is all passion, guys. This is all coming from the heart, coming from our experiences, coming from things like years and years of frustration and pain. And, and I hope you guys start to feel some of that in, in our conversations and, and what we're talking about. This is raw and uncut. You know, this is real, real conversations. And, and we're hoping, you know... Always beyond the hashtag, going to give you something tangible at the end of it, but you've got to be real sometimes. You've got to give you the realness because it's this is real life and these are things that people are actually experiencing and being offended by. So yeah, I hope you guys appreciated the the realness of the conversation. But the last topic uh, we wanted to touch on was the taking of the knee and more importantly the booing of the knee, which was done in on the weekend of the. 4th of December um, or across the weekend from the 4th to the 6th I think it all happened on Saturday the 5th 
So fans are allowed back in stadiums now. And I said it on episode five. I said, when fans come back into the, into the stadium, you'll see how they really want to respond to Black Lives Matter. And on the good side, you had Chelsea FC, who their fans, when they got back, to the, back into the stadium, the players took the knee and they applauded. And that was, I think, a good moment for football because Chelsea has... Um, had a had a large history of, of racist incidents you know the whole oh a black player or, um sorry a black fan wasn't allowed on the train all this kind of stuff so for a club like Chelsea and they've obviously done a lot of work to in the anti-racism campaigns for, for them to have a moment like such as that was was a good shining light and I would have loved and I would have had such a peaceful weekend if that was the only thing to come out of fans coming back into the stadium trust me my weekend would have been good unfortunately it wasn't and we had a few incidents of fans booing their own players taking the knee, mainly at Colchester FC, West Ham United FC, and more uh, most highlighted Millwall um, Football Club. So, I mean, those three clubs in itself, in terms of location, have a similar theme in terms of being, you know, East London, Essex, kind of that Cockney side of of the country of of London is and the surrounding areas as as well. So. Um, Millwall especially has a, has a rife, rife history of not only racism but violence in football, and and they're, they're a club who is who's really really got a lot of issues to kind of tackle. Um, their players, um, you know, took the knee, and their fans were just the loudest boos. I think Colchester and West Ham, you could maybe hear it in certain parts. Um, Sky Sports apparently muted West Ham. Uh, t- I was wondering. New, I yeah. thought I heard. I was thinking. I didn't hear West Ham. Well. Yeah, I, I wasn't there to watch the game, but a lot of people were saying that. Yeah, that they could hear booing, but then immediately got muted, kind of thing. So, a bit touchy from Sky Sports in that instance. But yeah, with, with Millwall, um, you know, they the, the thing happened. Everyone went, went mad on social media. Um, like nothing was done at the time of the game as well. Like it wasn't even like I think people were just in shock about the actual booing, but. I expected it, so I, I don't see anything else. But um, they put out a, a kind of generic statement afterwards, just saying that uh, this is Millwall saying that you know the players are using their platform to to you know support and drive change. There's so much work to be done at Millwall, so we're going to work if kick it out and blah 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 to have more solutions and stuff. It, it was kind of an okay statement. Compare that to Colchester's statement and. This and some of the statements that I saw from a couple of other clubs, um, especially in the in the East London and Essex area, showed me that people some people do get it. And as as much as we we complain and and you know say that you know we have a, a lot to fight, we we are seeing some kind of progress in terms of how people are actually speaking about these issues and the education that people are getting. So the Colchester chairman, he um voiced the issue by describing the the purpose of the knee and him and his players one of his players Callum Harrier they actually went as far as you know talking about how it dated back to the early civil rights movement and it's showing you know support of political inequalities and people being people suffering oppression in their communities and and I won't read the whole statement out but it goes into the depths of the history of why people are taking the knee etc and highlighting that not highlighting quote-unquote all lives matter but highlighting all lives should be valued and not treated inhumanely or inferior to others just because of their race and that diminishes the whole argument of black lives matter is a political no it has political elements to it but people most of the people who are campaigning for black lives matter are just campaigning for black people to be brought onto the same equal level as every other race that's what black lives matter means in plain english 
Black Lives Matter as much as everyone else. So, but people like to spin it and just say, "Oh, you're Marxist and, and all this kind of nonsense." No, that Black Lives Matter just means for, for hundreds of years, Black Lives have not mattered as much as other people. Now we're trying to make them matter as much as other people. That's what Black Lives Matter means, and that's the kind of message that the Colchester statement was conveying to their fans and to the world after they had the incidents of booing so they condemned it and they educated the fans etc on why the kneeing was should continue on their part or at least why the, the wider message that they were trying to show but one thing that i really took heart from and really you know applaud and really valued was Leighton orion and what they did before their fans even went back into the stadium so that whole millwall culture star west ham stuff happened on saturday the 5th but then uh, Leighton Orient were expecting fans to go back I think on the following Tuesday or following Wednesday so in light of all of that they actually put out a proactive statement and a whole article basically explaining why they kneel and why their players are kneeling against these kind of issues um, both from the chairman and the club and their captain who's a black player J.B. McEnough they again went into the details and the history and the education of why they're kneeling the experience that black people have the equality that we're trying to achieve and they really broke it down and really went into the depths and the you know there's there's just a bit of knowledge on on why these kind of issues are are in place and that's the kind of thing where we we're saying a few episodes ago about when commentators are describing players taking the knee they just did it as a pre-match ritual they're just there as oh welcome to today's game oh yeah the players are taking the knee okay i'm kick off yep rashford okay yeah cool yeah (laughs) and it was like that for every single game or the the commentators wouldn't talk about it Mm -hmm. they'll just they'll literally just be silence boop whistle knee boop start the game that's it like literally as as if nothing's happening it was a non-event so that's why i was saying for so many weeks the knee should have stopped probably like last season before the season restarted in September because you could just see it wasn't doing anything well, for anyone. Are they stop it, and this is the point, and th- that's why I related it to the NHS clap thing because people are thinking, oh, no, this is kind of cool for the first few weeks. It's kind of like, oh, so every Thursday, like, <laughs> like, okay, I know we appreciate the NHS, but every Thursday, like, what's okay, but what's every it actually doing? And I'm seeing, and it's not even every tournament because them and I are happy to not do it in no, Champions League, you know. That's that's the problem. Champions League international, they're not doing it. It's one club here, one club there. It's all a bit of a mess. No, no one's like people are on different pages, and it's, it's all just getting a bit messy. And I knew, and I said it that when fans come back you're going to see the real, real effects of of this thing not being done in the right way and not being educated properly enough. And lo and behold, lo and behold, we are here right now. That's what we saw. So, and then then you go further and I've seen Facebook um, campaigns from people who are kind of actively against um, the Black Lives Matter political movement. I've seen a campaign which is BLM, but guess what BLM stands for? Boo like Millwall. So this is a this is a campaign I saw on Facebook. It's actually it was UKIP, funnily enough. Yeah. People won't be shocked. UKIP are the UK Independence Party, for those who don't know, and they're basically a known uh, kind of racist party who campaign for, you know, the 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 Brexit means Brexit and, and getting all the, the foreigners out of Britain. They ran a campaign, you know, actively supporting the people who are booing the taking of the knee and they heartedly captioned it. BLM, boo like Millwall kind of thing, and just promoting, you know, oh, if if those players take a knee at Millwall again, then we're going to keep booing them and all this kind of nonsense. So then we move on to the next game that Millwall had, which was at their stadium again a few days later. 
and everyone's thinking, oh, what are they going to do? What are they going to do oh, the next game? They did the classic inequality banner. So you had all the players lining up and holding a banner that said inequality, cool, whatever. Then you get to the knee. Now, they actually played against QPR, who in the past had their own issues with uh, their chairman, Les Ferdinand, who's a black ex-footballer. He um, actively said that they're, they're, not, they're going to stop taking the knee. I think they were, they were one of the first clubs to actually stop taking the knee because he felt that it would, it would run its course. So he was actually... But he actually... They reversed that and said that because of what you Millwall guys did on Saturday, we are going to take the knee in this game um, to, to kind of show you what we're fighting against. Because um, that, because that's what taking the knees for. Taking the see, knees is taking a stand, stand against see, something. Well, see, they did it in the right. They, they did it in the, the right, right way, context, yeah. and that's that's what taking the knee is. Taking the knee is not just a, you. Know, it's not taking, like, it's not taking the knee, which is what people call it. It's taking a knee against something. That, that but it became taking the knee because it's just like, oh, taking the knee. We're taking the knee. We're taking the knee. That's what it became. But you have to take a knee, like when. Uh, Colin uh, Kaepernick did it. Um, Ka- Kaepernick, Kaepernick was Catman. My like Cap. My like Cap. <laughs> My like Cap. When he did it, he did it against the national anthem. When um, the Black American Olympians, I forget their name. I think Jesse Owens might have been one of them. When they did the raised fist um, with a glove against that's that you're taking a stand against something. You're not just doing it for the sake of doing it, um, which is what it's become in football, and and that's why it became ineffective. Plus, no one's talking about it afterwards. I, I said that you can look in the players' eyes. You see people are oh, some of them might raise a little fist. Some of them, the you could tell the white players they're they're, they're they're looking around and it's like. Not even just how you look, but are you guys talking about this? Are you guys saying before the game, oh, yeah, so we're taking a knee this game. Oh, yeah, what what have you guys seen? You know, are these conversations happening? They're obviously not. So that's why the knee became ineffective. But anyway, coming back to Millwall. So, yeah, they did the banner and then the QPR players took the knee. Now, this way it got messy because some Millwall players took the knee. Others stood up and didn't take the knee, basically. And... All you could hear, though, from the stadium was just a round of applause. It was Millwall Stadium, so it was their own fans there. You could hear a round of applause. Now, Sky Sports were, like, obviously focusing on this game, and they put out the tweet saying, oh, Millwall fans um, applaud the fact that the knee was taken. Incorrect. Everyone could clearly see that the fans were applauding the fact that their own team had not taken the knee as if they'd won the argument, basically. So it's kind of like, we booed you taking the knee last game. This game, you've come in, you haven't taken the knee. That's why we're clapping. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the fact that, oh, we're, we're clapping because Chelsea did it the other day, so we're going to show that we're progressive. No, you have to apply context. You have to see what is actually going on. They were clapping the fact that their own players were not taking the knee and they were just standing there. You know, some of them were raising a fist, some of them were doing, but the, their argument was that taking the knee was um, w- was a political agenda. So they wanted their players to stop taking the knee. They felt they won the fight and that's why they were clapping. That's not what we want. That's not what we want to achieve. And <laughs> I like the fact that further on in the game, QPR, who actually ended up winning the game, two of their players in their goal celebration went in front of the Millwall fans, took the knee, raised their fist. Absolutely love that. Sing. It was lovely. It was, it was a beautiful poetic justice to see. It was. It was just like it was. It was lovely. I, 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 and kings, absolute kings. But one thing that touched me um, in, in, in a different way in terms of quite emotional was one of the Millwall players, um, Marlon Romeo. He's a black Millwall player. I think he's a fullback. He was getting substituted. And as he was getting substituted, he removed his shirt and inside his shirt, he had um, a kick it out uh, label uh, logo on it. And he basically showed it to like all his fans as he was kind of going off. Like, um, And I, th- I thought that was a really touching image because, you know, he's, he's a player who's obviously 
experiencing all these issues that we've been talking about and he's trying to have a peaceful protest and take a stand against it and his own fans are kind of going against him these are people who you know he's supposed to people talking football oh, you like you're supposed to love the fans you're supposed to do all of this and he's trying to do something positive for not just himself but his teammates his society and you're condemning him and you're going down against him for that like why, why should he have to stand for that in his job and in, in his role of work it's absolutely sickening so I, th I think he showed a lot of character to kind of show that t-shirt and show the fight to say that no I'm not gonna stand for what you guys are are, are doing to me and do, doing to my teammates so yeah in terms of taking the knee going forward I mean I just I know the Premier League are still doing it I just I, I just think I said it before guys it's got to stop it because it's tokenism and you know so, some other platforms I've spoken about just it's about what's going on beyond the knee, beyond the hashtag, all of that. It's it's about what's going on after it, how people are being educated, what solutions are being taken. Um, people have spoke about, like, what's the point of taking the knee if we're not going to have more black managers or we're not going to, you know, see more black people on the, on the FA board or we're not going to stop people saying Negra and all the, and Negrita and all these kind of things. Like, what's the point in taking the knee if none of that stuff is going to happen in the next six months, one year, two years, 10 years. Like that's, that just makes the knee tokenism. And, you know, people have even said they were even angry that the knee was being taken in the first place. And I wasn't that person. I was more, I was cool with the knee being taken for the first few games because it showed, you know, it, it showed an impact and brought a bit of awareness. But the moment it just started to be a mundane pre-match ritual, done, cut it off, it's run its course. So, yeah, I think, you know, in terms of solution wise, the needs the needs got to stop. But it has to be all those kind of policies that we mentioned after the diver diversity and inclusion training, etc. All these kind of things have to now start happening. The FA released. You know, we did an episode on the football leadership diversity code. That kind of thing has to be implemented. We have to have updates. You know, in fact, guys, let's just move on to the solutions because that that's 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 where we're going to. And you know why I say that? Because I'm tired. Yeah, facts. That's that's. I might even go, that might. That's the episode. I'm tired. There we go. That's the episode title. I'm tired. Yeah. Let's let's move on to session. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a review and a five star rating. So, guys, as we come to the end of our emotional, intense episode, um, but a real episode, like I said, let's just recap the solutions quickly. We'll, we'll fly through them and and just. Yeah, just true beyond the hashtag fashion. How can we take things beyond just the discussion and make it into a tangible way of moving up in life, to be honest with you? So the first solution is for victims of racial abuse, whether that's, you know, on a lower level, on an individual level or on a wider level, um, and not even just abuse, to be honest, whether it's a microaggression or any time you've been, you feel like you've been wronged, on a discrimination level, it might not, it might be for your gender kind of thing. Never be afraid to speak out is, is the first solution. And that relates to the whole Anton Ferdinand documentary of him, you know, taking nine years to speak out. But, you know, he visited people who had spoken out and it kind of gave him the inspiration. And even the psychologist in the documentary, you know, he, he was talking through the, the mental side of things. And she kind of said, a lot of the times the first response to racism is silence because you think you're either going to be, you know shut down and the issue won't be taken anywhere or you're scared about you know being that angry black person who is always playing the race card and all these kind of things so a lot of people and please don't be um kind of uh thinking that you're the only one a lot of people their first response to racism is silence and that's you know kind of a proven fact so 
be on the hashtag it's telling you guys never be afraid to speak out against racism that you've experienced or any kind of discrimination that you've experienced whether that's to the authorities your uh, you know your managers people in charge people executives whether it's to your family and friends to start off with just so you can get it off your chest and then they can help you move it but wherever it is work place of leisure don't internalize it and don't stand for something that you feel and you know in your heart is not right the second solution um, goes to people, I guess, who might not experience racism too often, but might see it around them and are learning about what is what is racist, what is unconscious bias, etc. Um, a large majority of that is white men and women. And the solution, I guess, relates to as white men and women learn more about the wrongs of discrimination, especially on a lower level related to unconscious bias, don't hesitate to call it out amongst your own friends amongst your workplace colleagues etc because unconscious bias is the kind of small day-to-day actions which go towards changing a generation for the better or worse which you know the bias is what changes it for the worse and the education is what changes it for the better so when you start to educate people in your friendship groups your work you know if it's something that we've said on beyond the hashtag and it resonates with you in your next conversation with your circle of friends go and tell them about it and and when someone else says a particular comment that you think oh actually stevie used that example on beyond the hashtag and i remember you know he kind of taught me it was wrong and i'm going to tell you now that it's wrong because i've learned and and that's my growth and that's my education you guys get where i'm coming from on a, on a real life basis so because not everyone and this is the absolute real realness of it not everyone experiences the kind of extreme examples like the john terry and rio ferdinand example that we've kind of used not everyone goes around and like i said we've come forward as a society where the banana throwing and the n-word on a, on a mass public level has has decreased it hasn't completely diminished but it's decreased from the 60s 70s and 80s because black people are more accepted and ethnic minorities are more accepted in society so those examples are still becoming uh, they, they are still remaining a little bit extreme c- compared to what they were before but the point is if someone is accused of racism and discrimination don't adopt the mentality of of kind of protecting them and, and denying until you die accept what the victim has been offended by and conversate with them take the time to actually learn why they're feeling in this particular way and, and how it can be resolved going forward you know you have to take the time to understand in this case, black people, how they feel and why they are so tired. So learning is one thing, but you have to take the time once you've got that education to then action it into spreading across your communities. That's the main learning from the solution. So call it among, call it out amongst your friends, take the action on board, listen to people's experiences and then spread it into your community. The next solution is better communication from the decision makers decision makers and institutions on the actual policies and the effects that their policies are actually having on people. So that relates, again, to the Antoine Ferdinand documentary. If the FA, for example, spoke out to condemn the abuse that Antoine Ferdinand was re- receiving due to D- John Terry losing his captaincy, because that's one thing we didn't mention earlier was that 
uh, Anton Ferdinand was getting daily social media abuse from the people who are backing John Terry or anything, anytime something bad happens to John Terry, it's Anton Ferdinand's fault. You lost the competency, it's Anton Ferdinand's fault. You slipped, it was Anton Ferdinand's fault. No, 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 Anton Ferdinand no, 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 is messing up his mental health. So all that happened because the FA didn't speak out, FA did, or not just because, but they didn't help that by just dropping a decision and then letting Anton again, just leaving him out in the lurch to kind of deal with everything. So, you know, it won't necessarily stop the abuse entirely, but it'll go a long way you know if they speak out against how their decisions are, are causing certain actions and things to be done to people but also when they bring out positive policies for anti-racism and stuff they just kind of drop it in the ocean and just leave it there you look at the football leadership diversity code if it wasn't for me making a whole episode about it and us continually talking about it on our social media if me as as a as a Average man, average football fan, I wouldn't know too much about what's being done in in terms of that policy and the effects of it and all that kind of thing. And, and we want to encourage more consistent communication about these policies, what's going on and, and how they're kind of using it to drive change. And if those communication channels aren't there, then that's what we're pushing for. Quarterly updates, uh, twice a year, yearly updates, like th these kind of things need to be regular. So we see that you guys are serious about the change. We see the progress that's being made all the progress that's not being made and how we can improve it so progress can be made. So yeah, the communication from these decision makers and institutions needs to be better. A cynic would say, because they don't care about it enough, that's why they just pay the lip service when something pops up and then don't deal with it again until it pops up again. But that's a solution. Next solution is the diversity and edu inclusion education courses for a all foreign players who come into the English professional league and b the yearly courses for each club of each player whether they're foreign or British to refresh themselves on diversity and inclusion so that's not just race but that's gender disability homophobia all all of that needs to be taught in diversity and inclusion so you need to teach the microaggressions, the impact of systematic oppression in the sport. Like all these kind of things need to be taught. So it's not just, oh, by the way, um, yeah, saying the N word is wrong. So uh, or saying uh, this homo this word is homophobic, saying this word is, is a form of gender discrimination. No, it's not just the highlighted abusive words. It's all the little microaggressions. And you need to get people with experience and knowledge to come in and teach these kind of things and you need to feel a bit of shame sometimes because some of the people who will sign off these courses will have been like uh, perpetrators of <laughs> these acts themselves but again that's the whole wider point about learning about white people taking some you know some shame and some blame for all the things that have been happening whether it's them personally or whether it's their forefathers someone's got to take accountability for it and that will allow us to move forward so yeah you've got to swallow a bit of, a bit of humble pie on that one and include the courses and and allow yourself open yourself up to be educated especially on a consistent basis in in these kind of institutions and again it's not just limited to sport all these kind of things should be in employee organizations and, and guys feel free let me know if, if your if your company does these kind of courses on a regular basis and you think it's working let me on the hashtag no give us some examples of concrete um evidence of of what these kind of sports clubs can use and what other employees can use to provide consistent, refreshed, updated diversity and inclusion education courses. Last couple of solutions. 
firstly is tougher bans and sanctions for the clubs who are involved in racist incidents from the top authorities such as UEFA and the FA. So things like stadium bans, for example. So for, for a team like Millwall, we, we know that they've accepted um, the wrongdoings and, and want to try and make the change. But again, if, if you don't put consequences for certain actions, then people will not stop doing them in, in the first instance. You Action and consequence first, then you educate later to say why you shouldn't do it again. It's, it's the whole... Oh, you go to prison for pray, to um, pay for your crime, and then you reform and you show that you've changed, and th- and that's what kind of lets you out. That's the whole kind of narrative with that. You punish a child first for, for what they're doing wrong. That you talk to them and say this is why you shouldn't do it again. Blah blah blah, and, and they will learn. It's the same narrative, same thing we use in our everyday society. Bring it into football. So, Millwall, for example, if you ban fans from coming to the stadium now for three to five games, they might think. Some of them will, will think it's it's unfair and, and they're going to continue their racist ways, but a good chunk of them will say, even if they want to internalise it, say that, okay, I'm not going to yell racist abuse, I'm not going to boo because it's going to be at the detriment of my own team. And that'll be the first step. And that's not the only step. So that's not, that's why this solution is amongst everything else. But that'll be the first step to allowing them to think about why what they're doing is wrong. And then you bring in all the education courses, that kind of things. But if you don't, give people a reason to think something is wrong, then they're just going to carry on doing it. Because if you come with education first, people, if, if they have no reason to be educated, they're not going to, sadly, they're not going to willingly open open themselves up. So if they do something wrong, it's got to be called out and then it's got to be, it's got to have a consequence attached to it and then education comes in. And then finally, just kind of touching on, we that has to come, the previous solution from the authorities, but touching on clubs themselves, as we detailed earlier in the episode Leighton Orient and Colchester actively condemning people who oppose taking the knee you know clubs saying things like anyone who you know opposes you know the the views of of the equality campaigns then you know <laughs> I think one of the chairmen said you can even uh, contact me directly I'll pay I'll pay you back your season ticket money I'll refund you right now because we don't want you as part of our clubs I've seen Instagram comments you know I think from like Aston Villa or Everton those kind of clubs saying that oh um when someone writes in their comments saying oh um I'm Black Lives Matter is a political institution I'm going to be coming to the game and booing and, and they'll turn around in their comments their official account and say nope we don't want you as part of our club so you're not welcome here blah 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 like clubs are starting to do this but on a wider level and this was raised uh, by Gaudip in episode 5 the fans episode you need to proactively tell people why certain things are wrong say in every single game yep so we will be taking the need to explain blah 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 or we're continuing the fight against racism because of blah, blah, blah. Announce it in the stadiums, put it in the match programs. Keep tweeting about it on your accounts. Have it, you know, don't just have all oh, one week of anti-racism and, and, and that's it, it's done. Like, it needs to be active. You need to be putting it in people's faces as a club, backed by the players, backed by the owners, backed by everyone. Then that feeds into putting pressure onto the authorities to continue to do stuff. So we in this country have more power in the clubs rather than the players so if you look at america you've got lebron james doing this and that because players have a lot of power here clubs have more power power than players unfortunately so the players have a certain amount of influence but they need to come together in the clubs and the clubs need to be the ones driving the change in their authority So thank you guys for tuning in. We've had a massive, massive Beyond the Hashtag Bonanza with, with two major episodes talking about a whole bunch of different topics, different 
issues and and but we felt this one was necessary guys you know we normally have one specific topic you know whether it's fans or social media etc but with everything that's going on at the moment we couldn't miss the opportunity to focus on you know such prevalent issues in society so we also didn't want to make it a drag for you guys so we hope you guys you know enjoyed the splitting up of the of the two episodes and yeah we, we hope you guys take some of the issues on board the solutions you know as always hit us up on the socials to let us know what you thought of them and and further solutions that can be taken or what you guys have seen and done in your own experiences since the episodes come out so yeah i appreciate your listen as always and take care and have a very merry christmas Here at Beyond the Hashtag, we invite all those who are invested in breaking the generational chains of racial injustice one goal at a time. To continue the engagement with us, please follow our socials, Instagram at beyond hashtag underscore, that's at beyond hashtag underscore, tweet us at beyond hashtag, that's at beyond hashtag on Twitter, you can email us for more lengthy discussions or suggestions hello beyond hashtag at gmail.com the email again is hello beyond hashtag at gmail.com and our episodes will always be available on spotify google anchor fm and apple podcasts thank you once again for listening and god richly bless Thank you.